tastes like it bleeds, but it's made from seeds. Today we're talking about plant-based meat. I'm Chaz, he's Brit, and this is The Furious Curious. Chaz, let's get to the meat of the issue. Ooh. Sorry, I just had to say I had to. <laughs> I had to. I had to get it off. You know, it's one of those things you just got. If it's there, you gotta you just gotta say it so it 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 uh, it departs you, right? That's true. I mean, that's like what it's like being my, me every day of my life, <laughs> for better or worse. Uh, you're, so, you're always so, you're always uh, exercising out puns. Yeah, as well as yes. my demons. I mean, sure, of course. I, yeah, so that that also seems to be uh, imperative. No, so we're talking about plant-based meat today, and and why are we talking about it, Brit? We're talking about it because it has what a lot of uh, publications say. It has officially reached. I don't know why officially. It has officially reached uh, reached global phenomenon status. So mm. there has been a pretty dramatic. You know, it's it's. It's it's been a trajectory over the decades, but there's but I think as of recent years, there's been a pretty dramatic shift in the way people are choosing to uh, consume their food. Uh, that's changing, you know, and it's encouraging this this kind of sweeping shift of animal based plant uh, or animal based uh, foods to plant based food products. So yeah, I mean the U the U S is seeing kind of this larger appetite to put another pun to it for for uh, plant based meat. You know, we'll get into the reasons why this is now becoming available. I think there's a confluence of reasons that we'll get into. You know, the rest of the world is also um, kind of jumping on this bandwagon too. You know, a demand for healthier, more uh, sustainable ways of living. So, yeah, I mean, um, I've got an interesting quote here, and then we'll get into the the. I guess we should get into the definition really quick. Yeah, I mean, just just for people who may not have heard about it, uh, plant based meats. Uh, made from plants and are manufactured to feel, taste, and appeal like real meat. So they're a taste-alike, if that makes sense. Uh, they're also healthier than regular meats, will seem to be in, in many respects, because they're lower in saturated fat and calories. Ingredients in plant-based meat are going to differ wildly, but they include coconut oil, vegetable protein extract, as well as beet juice. This is according to Insider.com. Obviously, all of the different uh, manufacturers will have subtly different ingredients, but that is sort of the brass tacks of it. What were you going to mention? Sorry. Oh, I, I found this really interesting um, quote from Ethan Brown. So one of the major players here is this uh, this company called Beyond Meat. Have you heard of it, Chaz? Oh, of course. Yeah. I've yeah. They're one of the big ones. So uh, Ethan Brown, he's the founder. He says, if we insist meat is defined by origin, namely poultry, pigs, and cows, we face limited choices. Uh, but if we define meat by composition and structure, i.e. amino acids, lipids, trace materials, vitamins, water woven together in the familiar uh, assembly of muscle and meat, we can innovate towards a solution. I thought that was kind of interesting. So a, a similar company, Impossible Foods, which is another big player here we'll get into, they said recently they want uh, society to discard this fundamental cultural idea that dates back millennia and accept a new truth. 
And that truth is meat doesn't have to come from animals. So there's this, not only a, um, a change in appetite, but there's, you know, and you and I, as we got into the numbers here, kind of inconsistent numbers, because I think the definition is so fluid right now. I mean, obviously there's meat and then there's not meat. I'll, I'll continue really quick on what, what Ethan Brown said here. He says, you know, if, if humans can accept that, that, that idea that, you know, meat doesn't necessarily, uh, if we can re kind of define what meat is, we can provide meat that delivers health benefits and environmental upside, uh, i.e. 90% fewer greenhouse gas emissions, 90%, uh, 99% less water usage, et cetera. Uh, humans today will become, quote, the first generation to separate meat from animals, unlocking the next era of the American story of innovation, disruption, and growth. So pretty um, pretty brave new world right there. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. I also, uh, and I can't find the quote exactly, but just uh, browsing some articles last night, I saw there was a movement by um, you know livestock farmers, I think in, in the United States, to push back around the use of meat, the legal use of meat. Oh, the right. word, the word Be- itself. Yeah, the word itself, because they think like you know they've they've sort of given it away to these plant based alternatives, and that is actually hurting them. Right, so which totally makes sense. I, I also think there was I'm not sure the the legalities of this, but I know that back in the day that the Champagne area of France that makes champagne, basically like like they said this is a rubber stamp of genuine champagne. Anything not made not coming from here is actually not officially champagne legally champagne right it's sparkling wine <laughs> a different flavor of sparkling wine so i i mean i think a lot of this is comes down to you know labels and language and in this case it's like it, it, it matters a lot because i think some people go well like the, the word meats it's like well, i don't feel like i'm compromising because it it looks like meat and it's, it's, you know, it sounds like meat and it's called a flavor of meat. But at the same time, if, if, if the farmers say, well, this is not legitimately meat as it's come to be uh, defined legally, then maybe that, that is an issue. Uh, again, not my, uh, not my, be- not my beef. <laughs> Didn't mean to drop that in. No, but was, I, I do think it's sort of one of those things that can shape the adoption or lack thereof uh, in the industry. As, as we see a lot of the time, laws you know are a little slower to catch up to the now, whatever that is. And sure. um, so I, I did see, it. yeah, the food industry watches Texas move to stop plant-based proteins from using terms like beef and meat. So yep. I think that's uh, I think there's two parts to that. There's there's a I think there's a legitimate strategy to that. You're, you're biting into somebody else's business. I'm just going to keep going with them. I'm just going to keep going. Um, I mean, once we Please open that do. can, you can't really close it. You, you got to drink it all. Right. So, yeah, um, but, uh, there's that, there's that aspect of it, of, of this borrowed equity, right? Beef, meat, um, plant-based meat, it's almost an oxymoron. There's also an element of protectionism of it. You know, it's oh, yeah. these are industries trying yeah. to protect themselves. They've built a reputation for, you know, there's been a lot of investment in making beef a delicious commodity. They want to protect that equity. I get it. I get both sides of, of that argument in terms of the use of the word. So it's all going to get sorted out hopefully over time. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think there is just the numbers, as you mentioned before, maybe we just race through a couple of these because as you outlined, the way they're classified uh, and the way, you know, basically trying to put numbers on the actual growth, it has been a little difficult. Uh, But certainly 
the, some of the numbers, the global meat substitute sector seem to be worth $20.7 billion. I mean, so that's meat substitutes. That might not actually encompass like plant-based meat, like mm-hmm. just plant-based meat. Uh, that, that's a stat from Euromonitor. Uh, but then like the global plant-based meat market size was $3.3 billion in 2019 and estimated to arrive at $13.8 billion. Uh, that's fast. By, big. Yeah. But, but, so growing four, close to 4X in the space of eight years. So it's pretty yeah. significant. And then, you know, like some of the stats here with 70% of the global population now reducing their meat intake, veganism is a, you know, very popular lifestyle choice. By 2026, the global market is projected to be worth over $24 billion. While this seems like a new phenomenon, the meatless revolution has been quietly building for almost two centuries. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you have any other thoughts on these here? Well, there's some other interesting numbers. It talks about, you know, there's there's kind of a global trend going in two directions. So you mentioned all that, and I think that uh, that obviously makes sense for uh, certain countries. But India and China, which is the world's most populous countries, there's a belief that the majority of the population of India, there's this misconception that, you know, the majority of India is is a vegetarian diet. But two thirds actually, in fact, do eat meat, um, oh, but wow. they they eat it very uh, infrequently. So it's still, you know, the the amount consumed per person is still the slowest in the world. Now, as we see rising wealth in other countries, and wealth wealth and status take on different expressions in different countries, right? You know, what what is wealth? What is expressions of wealth in the United States or Australia, for example, may be very different than somebody like someplace like China. So. Rising wealth in other countries like China means meat consumption is actually likely to increase mm. in, in, in both countries, it says. So in, uh, India and China. So the average person in China consumed 137 pounds of meat per year as of 2013, compared to just nine pounds per year in 1961. So as mm. other companies, other, other countries become gain a larger uh, upper class and middle class this this demand for dairy and plant and and animal products yeah. like meat is actually going higher so some countries are going the opposite direction we had that bump for a couple decades or more and now we're kind of on the other side of that you know it it's it's congruent with oil consumption too in, interestingly oh, yeah. enough so also, um, yeah no doubt about it I mean, it's Whether clear it's, though. Know, cars, air conditioning, yeah, you know, right. right? Like, as people move to the middle class, they're going to go, well, I want the benefits of being in there. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, how come other countries have done it and we can't? Oh, right. you now the environment's bad. Oh, yeah, why is the environment bad? Because you screwed it up for us. You know, like, so, right. yeah, I could de- definitely see that side of the argument as well. I'll just say really quick on something related to numbers is uh, the nutritional value. So compared to just for practical facts here, compared to a four ounce beef burger, which I actually recently had, it was delicious. Oh my gosh. With 20% fat content, for example, a Beyond Burger, so this meatless burger uh, has 20 uh, fewer calories, three fewer grams of fat, one more, actually more protein, one more gram of protein, comparatively like an Impossible Burger, which is, I don't know if you've ever had an Impossible Burger, Chaz. Many times. I love them. I um, love them. They have and I love place. Beyond too. I love Beyond too. I love both of them. Um, I'm learning as I dug into this, there are like hidden trade-offs in terms of oils and processing and other things yeah. that meat doesn't have. But anyway, the Impossible Burger has uh, 50 fewer calories, eight fewer grams of fat, 
Same amount of protein. Plant-based burgers have no cholesterol. That's a big one uh, compared to the wow. 80 milligrams of you know in a beef burger. Both have fiber. Yeah. So th- this idea of th- combining with combining that with a large body of research linking meat consumption to disease risk, um, you have a kind of a pretty convincing case that you know backing off meat a little bit is probably a good idea. So I still love meat. Yep. I eat meat much less frequently than I used to. You know, my perspective, Chaz, is I treat meat like a, like probably my ancestors did, which is when you have it, like when you shot it or, you know, bone arrowed it or whatever, you know, you kind of treat it like a prize. You treat it like a kill. It's like, oh, we got this. Great. But, you know, day to day, I'm not, you know, my ancestors weren't able to eat meat every single day. And I think our biology maybe is still at that level where, you know, meat on a regular basis or occasionally is good. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not giving health advice here at all. Um, but I found that like, I appreciate it more. It's more of a treat, you know, it's more of an infrequent thing. And I've actually felt the health benefits of that. So anyway. And, and like your ancestors, you often were a cowhide toga. Uh, it's like true. Going out on a run. So That's I mean, true. like <laughs> you look to them for your uh, culinary inspiration as well as your sartorial inspiration. <laughs> Sick su- fit pig, man. The You're support like the isn't as good, Kruger. but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's jump into the five reasons why, because uh, I, I think there's there's, there's many, and, and some might seem you know quite straightforward and obvious, but. When you actually understand the the specifics and, and the mechanics of each of these, I think it's like, ooh, like th- th- these are pretty compelling. Uh, so the number one reason why, do you want to talk about this, Britt? I think more people are realizing that this has quite an environmental impact. You know, cattle ranching, cattle farming, the meat industry takes a lot of resources. It's resource intensive. It takes a lot of land. It takes a lot of you know, food to feed animals. It takes a lot of, uh, there's a lot of carbon emissions. So and animal agriculture creates more greenhouse gases in the world's entire, than the world's entire transportation system uh, combined. I found that astounding. 9% yeah. of the Amazon, the Amazon rainforest has been, uh, since 1970, has been used for grazing livestock. So there's like a, you know, a lot of a lot of the Amazon rainforest is not a lot of it, but you know when it's being chopped down, when trees are when there's been deforestation, the reason, the driving reason, is for um, animal agriculture. So people are becoming more aware of this, more eco conscious of it, of how their foods are impacting the planet. So it's not just impacting the body. We'll get into that in a minute, but it's it's how it's impacting the planet. So so that the environmental impact seems to be you know as, as information becomes more available to us, we're becoming more aware of the impacts of, of, uh, of animal agriculture. Yeah, it's pretty significant. And, and I saw a, a, a stat in, in Time magazine, like halving, like just something like halving China's animal agricultural sector could result in a 1 billion metric ton reduction of CO2 emissions. So wow. this is one of those things, like there is a, you know, certainly around, you know, climate change and environmental degradation, there's always going to be a quote unquote collective action problem like it's okay for one country to to reduce and and you know to, to live in a more sustainable way but if other countries are not going to then that cancels us out right but in this case right. it's like as a species there is a some common wisdom that we can adopt right and we can say okay well there's not not only is it not good for a 
the environment's not good for ourselves, and perhaps that could be a collective thing we could get behind, which actually I think leads us nicely into the the second reason why, uh, which we're calling the health benefits. And in this case, mm-hmm. uh, there was a really interesting stat that uh, that jumped out to me because I think a lot of the time, you know, we are self interested as humans, mm-hmm. and in this case, according to a, a 2018 survey from research group Mintel, 39 percent of people chose health as a primary motivator for eating, for eating plant-based proteins, far outranking environmental and animal welfare concerns at 13% and 11% respectively. So we're a funny species, right? Because we, we always act in our own self-interest and you can mm-hmm. make the case that there is some Darwinian imperative in order to do so, uh, in order to pass on our genes, appropriate, you, you name it, right? But in this case, I, I thought that was remarkable because we often think, oh, well, we think of people who don't eat meat, we think, oh, Historically, it might have been, you know, for animal concerns or, uh, you know, for the environment. But in this case, it seems pretty clear, at least according to this one study, that the impetus for why people are going to make this change is not largely for ethical, larger ethical concerns, but self-interest. So I thought that was interesting. Now, we've got the medical data to support that, right? So there's been studies that shown that reducing reducing meat intake kind of reduces the, the the risk of stroke, type 2 diabetes, yeah. certain cancers yeah. even, lower blood pressure, you know, keeps your heart healthy, prevents disease, weight loss, everybody's always interested in, extended lifespan, um, like we said. So, and uh, evidently the slow progression, uh, the slower progression, slowing the progression of Alzheimer's. So there are health benefits to it as as more and more data comes out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Like if you... The more you read about it, you're like, oh, geez, this is, I don't want to say the wonder drug, but the absence of, you know, just going to meat. And I think it's one of those, like, like a cultural staple. Like it, it has been, like a steak, for example, or, you know, it's, it's like a luxury item. Like it's seen as a, right. a signifier of, of status sometimes. Oh, we're having yeah. steaks, we're grill, grilling steaks. And it, and it is, you know, historically it has been. And I think if people are of means, they can afford sirloin or porterhouse, you name it, right? But at the same time, it's like, am I doing myself a disservice by doing this? And, and the answer probably is yes. But I, I do think as more plant-based alternatives arise, that I guess the cachet of doing that will perhaps dwindle. Like if you think of, like, let's take car ownership. Right. You know, a generation before us is like, cars were symbolic of freedom. Like, you know, like there wasn't social media, there wasn't the internet. If, if you know, in order to get your license, once you got your license, then you are, are mobile, you are more independent than you could be if you're just sitting at home. I, I do think, you know, historically, if meat was the signifier of, you know, decadence and having, you know, status, having made it, now th- there's a reframing of that. So I, I think, you know, that that's certainly interesting and, and going to continue to evolve, hopefully, in the in a plant-based direction. That's interesting. It's interesting to to, to see how as cultures evolve around the world, like I was saying before, what, it, what are signifiers of, of status, right? And wealth. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is in some places, you know, meat, you know, there's different versions of that meat or IE steaks, wherever that can be a signifier of, of means. It's interesting. Oh yeah. I mean, even, I mean, we can go down weird path on this but like well, i mean just I'll, I'll say one thing um y- you think of like cryptocurrency right, right. I-, I think as much as 
the potential upside of investing in Bitcoin or, or, or whatever it may be in the, in the crypto space, you know, there's, there's a cultural cachet to being at the tip of the spear from an investor. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a very savvy tech technological investor and, and a lot of companies have sort of crawled all over themselves to say, yeah, we accept Bitcoin and other, other currencies. That's cool. But then, I don't know if you're just late breaking news in the last 48 hours, Tesla was one of those companies. But mm -hmm. then they've said after 49 days, they pulled uh, that the, the fact that they accept Bitcoin for as payment because they said the environmental, the catastrophic environmental uh, you know, impact that Bitcoin mining has on the environment is not something that's in line with Tesla's brand. And I, I thought that was so because there's just a, there's a sort of a, a cachet of being sort of future centric as, as, a, as a status you know, item. But then quickly, like it becomes loaded very quickly. So who knows? And that's getting a little oblique to this problem. But I, I just think this, you brought up this idea of status and I think it's constantly evolving. So that, that's something I think, you know, plant-based alternatives need to consider in terms of their messaging and how they frame the value of what they offer. No, totally. Interesting. So there's an environmental consideration to Bitcoin mining. I guess it takes energy, yeah, right? Yeah. Interesting. yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, I never yeah, thought of that. I mean, this is just yeah. It, it's I mean, you see these little. It's almost like these, like uh, they look like <laughs> like modern trailer parks. They could be out in the middle of nowhere where they look like people, and they go, "Oh, well, Bitcoin mining is happening." And I'm like, I'm not sure the ins and outs of, of how this transpires, but uh, it, it's not it's not a good look. It, it almost looks like the fire festival. Like, but all these, uh -oh. you know, just in the middle of like a, a sunny area and they're like, got, you know, got going through the juice and it seems like, oh, that's, that's not great. Wow. That's but anyway. Interesting. Uh, so getting onto the number three reason why, and you had animal welfare here. You oh, talk yeah. About that? Yeah. I mean, I think this was kind of the, probably like you were alluding to one of the original drivers of, of being vegetarian or, or vegan, right? So- for a lot of people, the, the core issue was a moral one, an ethical one. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's evolved into more nuanced differences where the, whether it's factory farming versus, you know, free range was a big thing for a while. Uh, that term free range. I know that uh, just like a lot of these terms as companies seek opportunities, they start to kind of dilute the integrity or the meaning of those words. But, um, you know, animal welfare, that's, that's a reason. That's a big reason uh, for, a lot of, for a lot of people. Roughly two-thirds of the 70 billion animals farmed annually, tragically, are given heavy medication, they're selectively bred, and um, they're in cramped close quarters. So I don't think we all need to go too far to imagine some of the conditions of animals who are... Um, food sources, you know, their conditions are pretty, pretty abysmal. I think there's the animal welfare awakening, so to speak, has, has taken different forms. For some, it's like, yeah. well, we shouldn't be killing animals at all. For others, it's no, they should have free reign, uh, you know, on, you know, open free range, I should say. They shouldn't be cooped up in, you know, factory farms. You know, the, the, the principle of animal welfare expresses itself differently depending on who you talk to. But that is really... Big, a big issue is the animal welfare thing. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think it, it's a loaded one because I've sort of followed it um, 
a little bit over the last several years. And yeah, and one of which I was, I'm not sure the name of this group, but they, I've, I've been in a food court when they've actually shown up. I've seen one of these videos and then I've been in a food court actually down in Westfield in San Francisco. And the, the signs say like end speciesism, you know, like that is, is that's so San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's around the country. Like, it is a bit, yeah, it's a bit extreme. But um, and there's a viral video where a, a a woman goes into it. It looks sort of like a diner, like a like a brickyard, or like you know, like a, like a sort of slightly high end diner um, chain. What's it called? The brickyard? Is that it? There's a chain. Yeah, the brickyard. Oh, yeah. It's well, yeah. there is the brick. The brickyards on um, Union. That's yeah, Union Street. It's it's like that. Yeah, sorry, it's not. It's not. Wasn't that? I know the one you're talking about, but it's something. Like, it's one of those chains. That, it's like a Red Lobster cut type place. Oh, it's a chain. That, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so someone walks in, and, they, and a woman she goes, "Look, I know I have a little girl. Her name is Snow. She has a determined look in her eye, but you know, um, Snow is." kidnapped from her mother and found because of play establishments like this and the fact that you serve meat and and they say it's not food it's violence and and like it's it's quite compelling i mean like it, it's out of left field like you're not expecting it but you're like oh geez and when you hear this and you have the empathy for the animals it's like oh geez like that that is tough it's a tough existence they are sentient beings like us you know uh but i guess mm -hmm. what i'm saying is there has been pushback because you know people who eat meat say oh look at these crazies and at the same time i do think it does just that level of spectacle does influence some people. It's like, well, maybe I'll consider eating one fewer uh, meat meat meals a week. You know, like even if it sort of get makes a little dent, it's sort of right. it's moving the needle a, a tiny bit. So who knows? Like, it's it's look, it's not my style, but like at the same time, I, I've seen enough of these now where I'm like, oh, it does make me think more in a way that perhaps I just would have assumed. Oh no, I'm eating chicken or I'm eating you know steak, beef, whatever. Poor camp, so, and so I'm like, it's probably ethically it's not optimal. So that's just uh, my thoughts on animal welfare to that as well. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to know and think about what you're eating. <laughs> it sounds so obvious, but like I think we just a lot of the time I think we're just becoming more aware of like all the things so far, how it affects our body, how it affects the environment, how it affects. Other aspects, you know, w what is the impact of me choosing this this food? I think, you know, th there's there's a pretty omni uh, understanding of like, okay, how is that how is that affecting everything now? So I, I totally I totally get that. You, so you, you had tech innovation here, Britt. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the big push here there was always this brewing of like like we were talking about the environmental impact, health benefits animal welfare, you know, I think those have been pretty well sold to us, pretty well understood as, a, as consumers. But the big issue was always, but it doesn't taste good, right? Yeah. Like yeah. fake meat has never, it's, it's just always been trot with the, the stereotypes that it tastes like rubber or it's cardboard or it just doesn't have that, the chutzpah. And <laughs> that's probably not the right word for it, but that's, but it doesn't <laughs> have, you know, it doesn't I, have, I, the I got it. what you mean. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have the it, doesn't have the thing. The, the X factor that meat, maybe. The has, X yeah. factor, right. And, <laughs> you know, I think over the past, I'll say 10 years, five years, brands like Beyond Meat and Impossible have really taken that challenge on. And 
there's been through technology. And I think that, that quote I said at the beginning is kind of the, the kind of the seeds of, of that innovation is like, okay, how are we going to define me? How can we get a flavor profile that actually works? And this is where technology comes in. So, you know, the U S has seen in particular, the U S has seen a really big, but it's all over. We'll, we'll get into patron saints, but the, you know, an incredible technological innovation in the plant-based food industry. So like the quality of products is better over the past few years. I've seen that quite substantially. Every time I've gone to the grocery store, I feel like there's more options and those options are better. You know, their likeness to animal-based meats continues to uh, astound me. I would consider myself a reducitarian for the most part. So I think it's allowing people to adopt this because now it's not it's not a sacrifice as much as it used to be. It's yeah, yeah. more of a alternative that's actually a, a quite nice one. So going back to Impossible Foods, for example, they found a way to use plant based hem, like H E M E. I don't even know how you say that, uh, which gives mm. meat its taste. So they did this by fermenting genetically engineered. It's genetically engineered, everybody. So pay attention. Uh, genetically engineered yeast. Uh, using to make the patties that resemble meat. So this gener- this process generates fewer greenhouse gases, like 87% fewer, 75% less water than you would need for, you know, uh, for, for a cow. So this is, I think, where the growth is really happening, where you're seeing now finally really good competition to meat. You know, I remember the first time I had uh, an impossible burger. I was in, I was in the Presidio a transit. It's a little, little cafe in, in the Presidio. I was like, this is delicious. Like this is, I, I wouldn't yeah. say this is a replica of, of beef, but it's really delicious. It's super yeah, good. Yeah. Like it actually satiates, you know, it's very satiating. It's very satisfying. It's not beef, uh, but it's something else. And that something else actually is quite, is quite great. I think somewhere in there, they, they wanted to be analogous to beef instead of, or meat, whatever, instead of trying to just continually try to beat it at a different, at its own game, they, they started to think about it differently and they've come out with a really great, delicious, uh, plant-based meat. Yeah. It, it's pretty incredible. I, I mean, I, like the first few times I've, I've had it, like I actually had, I think I was in Boise and for, for work and I saw it on the menu. Oh, and the impossible. Burger. Boise what for work. That? Really? Yeah, uh, working on HP. Um, What's that? Do they, they have a, a headquarters a in Boise? Office. Oh, yeah, they got a big office. Yeah, but, nice. like, it's it, their their big print division is there. But I was there and I had, I think it's called the. It's got a cool name. This down pub downtown Boise. It's like a micro. It was like something Bitterroot or Bitterroot something. Anyway, it's great Bitterroot Tavern or something. And I said the Impossible Burger. What is this? And so I I ordered it and I didn't know. That it was non, that it was plant based meat. Oh, was like, this is really good. You know, I didn't think of, then, like, you know, I, uh, then someone else, like, you know, I, I started hearing about it. I was like, oh, I think I had one of those in Boise <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. So that's, you know, I'm not, I don't have a very discerning, you know, palate. But in this case, I was like, this talk about an, a substitute, it's wildly impressive. So, um, but I want to go now, and get onto the, there are, there oh, sorry, are health, yeah, there are health trade offs with, with, that you know, oh, yeah. There's definitely, and I won't. We won't get into it. You guys can research. Everybody can research that. But um, anyway, um, they're not the slam. Like to Brit's point, they're not the health slam dunk that we've come like that they were originally perhaps thought to have been. Like right. you know, the various different oil, 
uh, sat, you know, I'm not sure all the ins and outs, but uh, p- people are like, yeah, they're not great for you. Don't eat them every meal. Uh, but want to get onto the fifth reason why, and I, I thought this was yeah. really interesting. Um, and I'm calling this mitigation of food waste. Mm. Uh, and this stat was uh, came from uh, the Food and Alcohol, sorry, Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations says that around, can you believe this? One third of all food is thrown away. So squandering any food is wasteful, Aye. but when meat, meat, fish, dairy, and eggs are thrown away, all the grain and water used to produce them is wasted too. Right, right. So, like, because these are, you know, I guess organically made or, or made from, you know, real entities, you know, whether from animals, name it, um, various, th- those animals themselves have environmental footprint, right? Versus, right. you know, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a, Twinkie, you know, like something purely synthetic. And I think in this case, it's uh, that, that quote is from Dr. Justine Butler of Plant Based News. And if you think of that, the, the 30% waste around the world and the fact that if we can mitigate it coming from actual animals and livestock, that's going to be a huge, massive change. It's not just meat. Uh, I think there's a, there's a food, there's a resource issue particularly water uh in in agriculture across you know it's a big it's a big issue right now in terms of just water you know if you go through california you know some people call california the the food basket of the united states Uh, if you go through the valley for example if you drive non-coast you go through the valley uh let's say from la to san francisco or vice versa or whatever you know, you get to into some pretty remarkable agricultural areas. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of it is nuts. Uh, so, you know, you've got your pistachios, your almonds, et cetera. Shout out to Modesto. Modesto. Yeah. What, what, what's their, what's their big export? Well, I think it's and nuts. nuts. And, and yeah. the only reason I know that is um, the minor league baseball team is called the Modesto nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's how I get my information. Can we do a bonus episode cool of minor league. league baseball teams, please? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh Let's my do gosh, it. Chaz you don't and even I love have to prep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have to prep. Chaz and I love uh, minor league baseball, uh, and and the minor league baseball uh, mascots, the logos. It is a just an endless gift of joy to, to follow <laughs> all that. No, what I was going to get at though is, for example, all I, I remember seeing. So if you go through there, there's signs everywhere that says, you know. Also, you know, water's been politicized, basically. So we need yeah. more water to make, you know, no water, no, no food, no, you know, all sorts of headlines that basically a lot of farmers complain that they don't have enough water to, to meet the demand, uh, to grow the products to meet the demand. So, you know, you, what we're saying is what you're getting at with this food waste thing is for a lot of these products, there's so many resources that went into the product itself. So when you waste that, you're actually wasting all that other stuff behind it that got it there. Yeah. So I get that. So that's all to say, I, there was one thing I saw where it was like, it takes 500 gallons of water for one almond or something like yeah. that. I saw <laughs> some sort of, you know, heartbreaking statistic about that. Uh, so that's why I was like, oh, you know, actually nuts, other food sources as well can be quite resource intensive, not just meat. Um, so this whole mitigation of food waste, I totally see that. And I think people are waking up to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I think this um, number six reason why I'm calling this Ooh, flexitarianism. Bonus. 
And I actually- uh, I paid for five this. reasons, I get six. This is great. What a deal. You did. There's a large condiment factory in the great state of Minnesota in Rochester. It's called the Mayo Clinic. I think they specialize in mayonnaise, <laughs> but they've, they've dabbled in Miracle Whip as well as Thousand Island, sometimes ranch as well. Um, so that there's a, a, a broad array <laughs> of condiments in which they traffic. But they, someone from the Mayo Clinic, they have a well-known blog that talks about um, – all their condiments, but a range of other health benefits as well. And there's a quote from their blog, the term flexitarian has been coined to describe someone who eats mostly plant-based food, but occasionally eats meat, poultry, and fish. The kind of healthy eating is central to the Mediterranean diet, which limits red meat and emphasizes fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, and healthy fats, and has been shown to reduce your risk of heart disease and other chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. Why not work on your flexibility and start reaping some healthy benefits? So again, from the Mayo Clinic, and I, I do think that this has been on the rise. And I, I couldn't find these. I, I looked them up. There was a, there was a video on Vox a couple of years ago where a gentleman, like an advocate for a plant based diet, he said, "We're not encouraging people to go fully like plant based because we know that's a, a monumental leap for a lot of people." Mm-hmm. But he said there was something like what like one. One meal a day, like like there was some handles, like one fewer meals a week, or, or like meat only three days, or when you're saying the actual like the collective decision for people to say of my three meals a day, one of them is going to go plant based times that you know by infinity, and that's mm-hmm. a significant reduction of the environmental impact. So this growing like flexitarianism as a as a way to be more accessible to a broader array of people, as opposed to like the the, the militant, I'm going to be absolutely strict around not eating any meat. Any meat. There there is some real benefit to that because of the scale. Mm-hmm. Have you got any thoughts on this uh, growing movement towards flexitarianism, Britt? I think it's it's much more practical, you know. And I think it's what I love about when things come to the mainstream I mean, is you sound you sound like a flexitarian. By the I, way, I, the I way you talk I, about it, yeah. I am a flexitarian. Yeah, I mean, I try to choose my meat wisely, and then when I do eat that, it's it's kind of a it's a unique circumstance. So, yeah, I would say I'm a flexitarian. But what I love about a lot of this stuff is people can, I think, as as things come to the come to the mainstream, our collective conscious can sort out the the truth from the the extreme. So you know. I think collectively as a species, we're a very practical, pragmatic uh, society. So we will say, oh, you know, actually you're right. Well, I'm not going to go full austere, zero meat, but you know, like you said, Chaz, we can reduce, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit less. That's going to help the environment. That's going to help me. I'm going to pay attention to where my food's coming from a little bit more. You know, I, I love how this can, this can go from quite far stretching things to, you know, quite practical choices for people. I love that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it has to be practical. Like, right. I remember seeing it was some documentary on Netflix around it wasn't necessarily being plant based, but it was eating better. And they're interviewing, you know, again a broad swathe of characters, some of which credible, some slightly less so. And I remember there was a guy, you know, saying, oh, "Look, you don't need to go." to the grocery store to get milk, find a farmer that you can get milk from directly. I'm like, bro, like, you lost me. <laughs> like, you lost me. I mean, come on. Like, I, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I, I'd feel better if I, like, sewed my own clothes as well. 
but I'm not going to do it. You know, like, or, or like, you know, fashioned my own furniture out of a piece of timber. You know, it's, I, I get it, but some things are just not practical. And they're certainly not practical in this incredibly busy area. So, era. So, the fact that uh, b- being flexitarian makes it more accessible is going to, has the scale for it to grow that, you know, uh, I, I think it's going to be helpful overall. So, just want to recap the five reasons why, because I know we, we dragged a bit here. So, it's not good. But um, no, no. number one, the environmental impact. Number two, the health benefits. Number three, animal welfare. Uh, number, sorry, uh, sorry, number four, tech, tech innovation. Number five, the mitigation of food waste. And number six, the growth of flexitarianism is the number, is the six reasons why we believe plant based meat is on the rise. Boom. Ding, 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 ding. And you get a bonus. So we're all about bonuses. So patri- these, these, is, yeah. You know, bonus. you come for five, you get six. That's how we roll here at the Furious Curious. We give you more than you what- expect. We were considering giving a year membership to a, the Jelly of the Month Club. We thought that was a little oh. bit of a slap in the face. <laughs> um, for all the lousy things you've done to make a buck. No, um, sorry, that's from Christmas vacation, everyone. <laughs> the lowdown. That was, yeah. a good, uh, um, that was a good good way. That was a good. <laughs> that's good. Anyway, um, so you, patron saints, and we, we thought it was worth mentioning. You had a few here, Brent. Yeah, patron players is my uh, evolved oh, yeah, title course. for it. Playa. Um, so yeah, given this like growth in customer demand for meatless alternatives, it's no surprise that the big players want to play. So uh, global companies are clamoring to enter these, uh, these plant-based markets uh, in mass. So Nestle, Dannon, McDonald's, Nestle, for example, they purchased a plant-based food uh, manufacturer called Sweet Earth. Dannon, uh, they make yogurt, they're a French dairy giant. Uh, they bought uh, American plant-based dairy company White Wave Foods. McDonald's, okay, uh, Burger King's also in here. They are starting to uh, provide um, meat plant-based burgers, which is which. Do you is- know what it's called? Do you know what it's? This is true. Like I'm not making this up. It's going to be called the McPlant. I'm not uh, lying. I'm not lying. I promise. I don't know if it's almost like they're uh, they're trying to unsell it. Yeah, it's not a great name. It's like, like uh, it's like, like the chips. Remember the remember the uh, the 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 chip bag that was supposed to be like better for the environment, and it was like loud. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. it's Is like it still around. No, it's not. But it's like okay, you want us to do this? You want us to be eco conscious? Here. Here's here's the McPlant, or here's here's a, a bag of yeah. chips that is like fifteen hundred decibels every time you reach for the bag. Yeah. There's something about yeah. there's something. It's almost like we'll do it, but we're going to we're going to plant a bomb inside of it, so it nobody wants to do it. And we're like, hey, we did it! Hey, we did it! The McPlant, come on, guys, you're marketing geniuses. It's interesting they've got- yeah, and the fact that, that they've partnered with Beyond Meat to make that is a different approach that Burger King took because they had – they've talked about the Impossible Whopper, which is a Whopper, as the name suggests, but just with Impossible Meat in it. I, I guess you kind of have to have plant in it because I could just see somebody rolling up and be like, oh, a new – oh, the Mick, uh, the Mick Beyond. I'll try that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what the, what the heck is this? Yeah, and there's probably some brand issues that they – like McDonald's would have had them over a barrel just because they have – all the scale and all the leverage. And they would have said, we're going to call it what we say we are. <laughs> but yeah, yeah like um, you can imagine all the names. It would have been like the McGreen, the McAlt. Like, they had the McLean. <laughs> that was my favorite. 
Did they really? Oh, the McLean was like a, a leaner patty of beef. It was cheap. It was less expensive than the Big Mac. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm going to say circa 2000, 99, they got rid of it. And that was, that was the end of my uh, days of McDonald's. Once they, once they, once they uh, got rid of the McLean, they got rid of me. So they um, had, um, there's a, there's a chicken Big Mac in, um, I remember it was in Dubai and, oh, it was so amazing. Wow. Oh, I love the old chicken Big Mac. I, I'm, I'm surprised they don't have it here. They haven't like experimented with it. I feel like they've well, they have them. They have the McChicken. I know, but like, uh, there's something very familiar. Just because the Big Mac, I'm assuming, is the biggest selling burger in the world, you'd think they would have like tried some riffs on it, you know? The Big but Mac. Like, the I, Big Mac I is mean, like Nike's Air Monarch. <laughs> no, it kind of is, but but even more famous, right? But like, yeah, um, <laughs> you're right. The, much more. Famous. You know, they've, they've they've gone with more like they uh, like. As recently as this year, I think they had very like three tiers of Mac. Like there was the, it was called like the Grand Mac or the Mac Daddy. Uh, it was wow. something like it was like even bigger than because you know like the 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 knock among the burger Mac aficionados Jay. on the. It was something like that. I'm serious. It was. <laughs> it should have been that if it wasn't. And like they, they had like a mini Mac. It was like a mini Mac and a Grand Mac or something like that. Oh my gosh, it sounds and like, like the, it the sounds Big like Mac's Apple these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Version version control. Oh my god! But anyway, gosh. so there was that. I mean, w- w- you had some others here. Um, oh yeah. Like, so w- yeah, there you go. I'll, so impossible. We keep talking about them. They make the impossible burger beyond meat. But kind of going through, like, so big. You know, also on the other side of it, big meat companies are starting to get into the plant based game. So you know, they're placing bets on plant-based startups. They're buying some startups. They're starting their own stuff. So Tyson, we all know about Tyson, one of the biggest, largest meat producers in the US here, launched his own plant-based stuff. Cargill, uh, they're an agricultural giant. They've been investing in meat alternative brands such as Memphis Meats. We said Beyond Meats. And uh, there's a pea protein supplier, which is really big, Purus. So a lot of big players in this game. And then also, you know, while plant-based products are created, you know, They've been created by traditional meat companies. Also, the other big players here are Amy's. You can find those at like a co-op. They have drive-through, by the way. Amy's, like, yeah. It, like I've in Marin, in Mill Valley, I, I think is there's an somewhere Amy's north of the bridge. Wow. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and I, I think there. Um, and there's yeah, Amy's to go is at uh, the new SFO. Uh, I think Terminal One. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we're going to see more like drive-through alts to to these things as, as huh. it becomes more accessible. Interesting. Yeah, corn was one. Gar- Guardian, impossible, like we said. Uh, Moving Mountains is one in the UK. Beyond Meat, like we said, Australian plant-based startup. Ches, have you heard about this one? V two Food. I, I, you know, I I have. I'm not sure how I've heard of them, but it rings okay. a bell. Uh, there's a Spanish company called Nova Meat. They claim they've produced um, a plant-based steak that, according to the buzz, is the most realistic on the market. And I've heard this promise before, but the mimic mimics the texture and look of real steak. So it ingredients include peas, seaweed, beet juice, um, and are shaped with fine fibers to create this muscle tissue uh, feeling like, like steak. Beijing has a startup called Zen Meat. They've created plant-based uh, mincemeat. They've raised around 700 something million dollars. So, sorry, thousand. No, that's in Chinese 
currency. So I don't know what that, okay. I don't know. It, it's yeah. big. It's big. <laughs> Hong Kong based startup Omnipork. They're making stuff from soy, peas, mushrooms, rice. They have one that they have a pork substitute that they claim b- bleeds and tastes like ground pork. Um, so, you know, depending on where you are, what what's appealing to you. South Korea is in the game too. They have one called uh, Zikwen. So they, they make one. So this isn't just, um, you know, Australia, UK, United States. It's not just the West. The East uh, is also getting into this. So obviously there's different cultural forces at play for, for, for why that is. But if anything, this is a sign that the major players are getting into this because they see growth in this area. That's and, I, I, and I think some of these larger manufacturers have also manufactured a, a sense of guilt and shame that can act as an active ingredient within the burger. So you don't <laughs> miss out on that feeling of, of, of self-loathing of upon consumption. So I, I think it's very savvy. Yes. Trying to replicate the meat experience. I think, you know, implicit within whether it's the, the, the cost, whether it's the technology, whether it's the health. I mean, this isn't going to be, you know, while it is growing, there are still going to be barriers. Like, is there, you know, and as, certainly as it comes to um, agriculture and, you know, like farmers, it, when when people like farmers of, of the earth, farmers of the farmers of the world. Farmers of the earth. Um, it's, a great, I, it's a great name. Yeah, are going to be seen to I think be, it's a folk the, band. It should be if it's not. Uh, if their wallets are seem to be getting light, lighter, it's it's one of those political lightning rod things. I think everyone has a soft spot for farmers, and, and I think if people, well, this is happening, and maybe they need to evolve, and yeah, sure, no one's arguing with that. But I think at the same time, it, it's it's like sort of when um, you know mitigation of like you know coal miners, right? Like people go, yeah, we need to move to clean technology, but do we just want to kick these people out on the street and not give them the work? And there might have been several generations in the mines, these kinds of things. So, so it, it just becomes a little more complicated than perhaps it needs to be. And I think these are certain challenges that are going to be on the horizon as, as we evolve to a more sustainable way of consuming quote unquote meat. So you had an, uh, a sonic embodiment? I did. I just wanted to say, just con- continuing on out of the spirit of grey divorce last week, mm-hmm. um, I thought this was interesting because I thought, okay, what would the song be around this? And this was the first one that came to, came to mind, Sacrificed by Elton John. And the reason I've done this is the song about how, how hard it is to stay faithful and devoted in marriage, challenging the worn-down mantra that is that a successful reunion requires sacrifice. Elton sings that it's no sacrifice at all. Just two hearts living in separate worlds, um, and and the reason I had this is it, like going meat free might feel monumental, but it's really just a choice. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's not a massive sacrifice. Like if you just go, well, I may, I don't want to uh, dwell on on how titanic a decision this is. If, if I make the decision, it, it's not my life is going to continue to be roughly the same. So I, I, you know, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a stretch as a reference, but it just sort of jumped out to me. It's like it, it's not really a big sacrifice. It's a great song. Sacrifice. I haven't heard it yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I did oh. notice that even pizza companies are starting to use be- the Beyond and Beyond Meat and the Impossible Ooh. stuff. So back to our soft spot for pizza. I don't know why it was just on my mind this morning. I think about pizza in the morning. I don't know why. Oh, I was also thinking about that great campaign. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was in Australia. Uh, Mac the Night. Oh, no, McDonald's in the UK, they had Return of the Mac like mm. recently. Yeah, like during the pandy, like they were showing. And it was, 
Uh, like it was one of those like UGC like like uh, you know first of all that song oh, that song UGC, slaps come on guys oh, no no but like it's faux UGC oh that's you know even I mean? worse yeah and, and it's always so obvious and I I hate it because it like you know the 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 director has told them oh walk into the house you know acting you know super joyful that you have McDonald's I'm like come on man like. That doesn't happen. It just feels woefully inauthentic. Like kids might go, oh, cool, great, you know, thumbs up, oh, sweet. But they don't look like cancer has just been cured and they're going to Disneyland. Yeah. They don't, right? And it sort of irks me when people acting like there's this, you know, euphoric experience when it's like, no, no, it's cool, it's great, but the world does not change when McDonald's walks in through the front door. No, (laughs) just bite and smile. No, but I, uh, I'm hoping in, in advertising, I say this because Ches and I are both in advertising, that we get back to the great mascots of the, of the, of the yester age. Um, I support that. I love, ma- I'm, I love mascots, and I think mascots need to come back for, a- for advertising. It, came, you know, it, it, it was out of favor for a while because it was like viewed as corny or kind of a gimmick. Well, just on that, like um, gr- the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty. Uh, like he just came out of nowhere in the last, I think, I'm going to say 2017 or maybe 2018. Mm. Um, and he, he's become like a cultural phenomenon. We should actually do him at some point because like they somehow, I, I'm not sure what the science was behind it, but they made him like menacing but cute. He's this big guy. And I think it was maybe, you know, the Philly fanatic who's the Philly, oh, um, yeah. Philadelphia Phillies. I, I think this was their take on trying to get, you know, drum up some support and perhaps get, you know, connect with a, a younger audience. But he's like a cult figure now. Like people have gritty tattoos and wow. people are trying to emulate his success. So I, I think in the age of the internet, you know, there's no shortage of options for, you know, to consume sports. But like if you go, oh, I want to see gritty for the Flyers, like I, I know no Flyers players. I know they've got this weird uniform that's kind of edgy and cool and that weird name play, but I know nothing about Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm, I love my sports, but I know about Gritty because he's become this little <laughs> weird cult figure. So I, I, th- I, su- I support your support for the return of mascots. I think we'll do a, a, a special. Way. We'll do a special pod on mascots. Yeah, man, let's we, do it. Yeah, sports and and advertising mascots alike. So I think that's it for 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 uh, for this week. Lovely. Yeah, sounds good. So you have been listening to The Furious Curious, hosted and produced by me, Charlie Quirk, and my esteemed colleague, Britton Rice, from San Francisco in the great state of California and other places like the land of 10,000 lakes. Aha, yes. And make sure you uh, follow us on Instagram at the underscore furious underscore curious. We welcome your comments, your insults, your constructive criticism, your feedback, your ideas for great new topics we can talk about. We make this show, but you make it better. You all make it better. Compliments on our great looks also helps our um, our vanity as well and our confidence. So, you know, it's that look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until next time, stay curious. Out.